everyone, I'm Ari, here with Rachel, and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer Podcast. This week, we're on episode 169, and we're asking, do you need to keep marketing your books? Before we dive into the topic, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening, if you haven't already, and if you enjoy the show, please share it with friends, and feel free to write a review. Okay, so hopefully, you'll realise that the answer is technically yes, but let's discuss why that is. That's why I said technically. (laughs) Especially since there has been a kind of a big push in recent years from all those awful adverts and money-making experts who constantly tout the passive income model. And let me just say, there is nothing wrong with passive income. It's really good. And obviously books are a passive income. But these people usually just throw out, write a book as one of the many ideas for passive income. As if it's that quick and easy and the richest thing to do. So frustrating. Okay, so let's look at some numbers. It said that around 75% of people won't buy your book the first time they see it. The ones that do kind of grab that copy of your book, not counting the ones who snag the free copy if you put one out, but the ones who get the book when you first launch it, they are what we consider super fans. You know, they're the ones who are on your newsletter. They're engaging with you on your social media and asking questions. They're the ones that show real excitement for when your book's coming out. We love super fans. These are the people that need to be nurtured because they are awesome and we need them. These are the people we want the most. So super fans who grab your book during the launch, you know, the pre-sale, right as soon as the book is launched, that is the people we want. They are awesome, but they're not everyone. In fact, they're not even a large number of people who follow us. So super fans basically are roughly 25% of people, which is really interesting because I am one of those 75%. I am part of that 75% bracket. I don't know about you, but nine times out of 10, if I go to the bookstore and I see a book that looks intriguing, sounds intriguing, I will take a picture of it so that I don't forget about the book and I'll stick it back up on the shelf. And the reason I do this is because I have so many books at home that I have to go through and read. And I have so many books on my Kindle that I still need to read. And also just trying to save a little bit of money that I just kind of have this never-ending list of books that I would like to read, but I don't yet own. And I think it's really difficult to find those super fans. But the best way to find those super fans is to, of course, market your books. I just want to ask a question because the super fans are definitely people who, who will go and grab the book early. But obviously, they're not a super fan for everything. So I am a super fan for very specific authors. There are some authors that I absolutely just love their books. I love them. And as soon as I get a notification that their new books come out, it's like, I've got to go buy it. Or I've like, I've got to find some money to go buy it. Obviously, the majority of books, I am in the 75% where it's like, "Eh, I'll think about it. I'll see. But again, I am definitely a super fan for some authors. So that's what you want. You'll, there'll always be some super fans, hopefully, out there that you'll be able to grasp. People who who join your newsletter early. Usually the first people who join your newsletter when you first launch it, they're usually going to be super fans because they've already got sort of intrigued into what you're writing about and they want to know more. So, yeah. Are you a super fan for any specific author, Rachel? 
I am actually, because now that you mention it, you're right. You can't be a super fan for every single author out there. And you certainly can't be a super fan for every author that you read, because hopefully you're reading a multitude of books by various authors. But yeah, there's a couple that come to mind, like Erin Hunter, Carol J. Perry, usually what, like when their books first come out, like I will grab a copy. But I also sometimes get behind in the series. So sometimes I don't always buy it. It's not all the time which it should be all the time, but it's not because I mean, like, especially for the Warrior series, I'm like two series behind, actually. So I, you know, when their new books come out, I don't buy them right away because I know they're just going to be sitting on the shelf for a while. But you're still a super fan because you've talked about the Warrior series a lot on this podcast. So True. It's, it's so powerful to you. You know, you love the books, you love the stories, you've read them before, the ones that you've read before. You are a super fan because you are happy to talk about it and to mention it and to suggest it to people. So, and understandable because of the size of the series and how it how it grows, because it's like in, in, in like, was it sets of six, I think? Did you say yes. before? See, see, you've talked about it, so I can remember yep. that. <laughs> I can understand. It's not like a, um, a closed series where it's like, you know, there's one to 10 books and that's it. And you're like, I'm going to buy all the books. It's ongoing. There's probably so many books now. So completely understandable, especially, mm-hmm. you know, when we hit recessions and things that you might have to slow down on spending money on books. But you are still a super fan because you you talk about it a lot. You, it, you're you passionate about that, that set of stories. So, yeah, still a super fan, still a super fan. That's true. When I think of super fans, I think of the ones that like buy the book right away and they pre-order it and things like that. But yeah, super fans, they do a lot more than just buy the book when it comes out there you're you're right good point obviously they are you know most of them do try and buy a book first but again not everyone's able to but yeah you can still you know there are still super fans out there who just get so excited they're the ones you want on your street team they're the ones you want shouting about your book from the top and this is why super fans are so important this is why a newsletter is so important to find those super fans because you want super fans I think people have this idea. It's like, oh, I'm going to put a book out there and I'm going to reach hundreds of thousands of people. It's like, great. But in the end, you're better having 20 super fans who love your work and are willing to talk about it on podcasts and interviews and blogs and in random. And, you know, whenever they buy the book, they put it on social media without you saying, could you do that? They just want to share it because they love it so much. 20 super fans is better than a thousand regular fans who may or may not buy your book every time. I may think about it and don't talk about it very often. So yeah, we love our super fans. So actually, I'm going to dive in to um, my point. I'm going to segue a little bit because my job for this episode is to bother Ari and play devil's advocate. And she just proved my point. Disclaimer, I do believe that you should always market your books, of course. But there are times where you're not going to need to market your books anymore, or you can at least slow down on marketing your books. And one of the ways you do that is due to word of mouth. Hence the super fans, because if your book is really that popular and you have a strong team of super fans or you have like created your own street team, they'll do a lot of the marketing for you. They will post it on their social media. They will talk about it on podcasts. They will recommend it to people who read a lot. Some people who don't read much at all. And then it's just word of mouth and it all snowballs. And guess what? You didn't really do that much work in the marketing other than write the book. And you marketed it to this niche group of people who became your super fans, and then they did the rest for you. I'll give you that. 
<laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Grudgingly. Yeah, you're right. Especially if you can get, you know, if one of your supervisors happens to be a really strong book reviewer or blogger and they have a large following. Obviously, we don't try and like lunge at them going like, do you want to buy my book? Be my super fan. But yes, Rachel's right. Uh, a street team and the super fans, they could really spread your your spoke around as Rachel has proved with this podcast if you have been listening to this podcast a lot you will have heard her mention the warrior series so you know that's a lot of free publicity for that series not that they need it but you know. <laughs> okay I'm going to move on to my point that kind of followed on so we might have to do a tiny bit of backtracking apparently studies have been shown that readers usually need to see your book around seven times on average before they will actually buy it if they were going to, because not everyone who sees your book, even if they see it seven, eight, 10, 15 times are going to buy your book, especially if it's got a bad cover. <laughs> so mean. Which is why if you just throw one blog post up about your book, if you throw up one Facebook ad or maybe a small post on Instagram and then that's it, that's not good. Because obviously if it takes at least seven times for the average reader who would want your book to see the book before they buy it, then you want to see it. You want them to see it more. That leads us to the fine line of making sure your book gets in front of the people to catch their attention and annoying people because they're sick of seeing your book cover pop up over and over and over again, especially if you are just putting up a picture of the book cover with buy my book, here's my book, blah, blah, blah. And you're not telling anybody what it's about. And I've seen that. I've seen some beautiful covers because a book, a good book cover is important. The more the more eye-catching and striking it is, the best it can be. However, if all you see is a book cover and you have no freaking clue what's about, whether it's got happy ending, whether it's got steaminess, whether it's got thriller, whether it's got tragedy, if you don't know anything about the book, even a nice cover is not always going to catch attention. Some people will find it on Amazon or wherever and have a read of the blurb. But it is important to try and put more information on it. It doesn't have to be on every time. If you know if you want to do a book cover reveal, fine. But at least some of your social media marketing should include the blurb, what it's about, tropes that's included, little snippets about your characters. It's important. Please stop just putting your book cover up. So with that, when we're talking about marketing, it's important to plan a strategy. You need to be ready to market your book before it comes out. You should know that. And when the book launches, you should know that too. And several months after the book has been out, that should also be something you know. So what happens when you're three or four years down and you have other books in the catalogue? Should you just stop marketing the ones you've already got? No, no. It's part of your back catalogue. Are you supposed to be putting it in front of everyone all the time? No, but it's actually quite good to every now and then throw it in. That's what Throwback Thursday is great for. So maybe while you're working on your next book, you'll probably ease off the marketing of the one you just released or even some of the older ones. But it shouldn't vanish altogether. You should consider using the whole catalogue you've got as part of the marketing strategy. First of all, it stops people from being overwhelmed with the same thing over and over. And also, it might be that the, the new stuff you're writing isn't as much of an eye catcher for everybody. And somebody would actually prefer the older stuff you've written. Having a plan, creating a content calendar for your social media or your blog, and or a marketing budget for your adverts is actually a great idea so you can make sure you're spreading your posts and adverts out well. And if you start getting a bit like, okay, I've, I've done my book cover release, I've done my blurb, I've talked about the tropes, blah, blah, blah. What else did I do? Throwing in a few extra things so you're not bombarding your readers and followers with the same book over and over and over again. Putting in other ones from your catalogue. Don't forget I wrote this one. Are you interested in this sort of thing? Slide it in. It's really important and it just makes it easier and it spreads it around. 
So, yeah, I mean, I do know a few people who have written multiple books and you never hear them of the first ones they've written. Maybe they didn't like them. I don't know. But it's like you never and then you find out you're like, oh, wow, they've got a whole series I've not heard of because they didn't mention it. And it's like, well, it's a product that you can add. So I don't get that. I do agree that you definitely should market all of your catalog, especially since it shows what a well-rounded author you are. And it also shows your experience too. If you published a book in 2010, but you act as though the book that you published in 2018 was your first book, people only think that you have five years writing experience. They don't realize that you've done so much work prior to that. And I do agree with Ari that having a content calendar to kind of spread the wealth if you will, and make sure that you're marketing each and every one of your books, but they're spread out enough that you don't bombard people. I do agree with that. But I will play devil's advocate again and say that I think it kind of depends on whether or not you should market your earlier works. And I only say that because Ari kind of already mentioned this. Maybe the author wasn't necessarily proud of their first book. Maybe they look back and it's really cringy to them. So they're like, yes, I did that thing, but I'm just going to quietly push it in a corner. And if people find it great, if not, oh, well. So I do understand that. I do think all of your work, you should be proud of all of the work that you've done, regardless of how cringy it was back in the day. That's how we learn. It's how we grow. But I digress. I think it does depend on the types of stories. Like, for example, if you write a bunch of standalone books, absolutely market the crap out of all of them. However, if you're writing a series, if that's like all the books that you have, you're just one series and it's 10 books long and you're publishing the 10th book, obviously discuss that, hey, here's book nine, here's book eight. But if nobody has read the series yet, you want to market books one and two as well. But if you're self-publishing book 10, are you really going to say, hey, go read book four? It doesn't really make any sense unless it's depending on the genre, unless it's not a consecutive series, then yeah, you could probably market whatever books in the series if readers can just pick up a random book in the middle of it and still get something out of it and still understand it. But if it is a consecutive series and you're publishing book 10, you're probably not going to market like book five with it. You'll probably want to say, hey, if you haven't caught up with the series, here's book eight, here's book nine. If you haven't started the series, here's books one and two. You kind of have to trust your readers. If you're coming out with book 10 and they find book one, like they should know to find book one on their own and they should know that they should be able to find books two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Not every person is bright. We all know that. But I mean, you got to give your readers some sort of credit. And I don't think you necessarily need to market every single book in the series. Certainly utilize Throwback Thursday and other like-minded hashtags on social media and stuff like that. Or you could showcase characters from some of those books, like if a character is introduced in book six, for example. But I think there is a fine line of deciding which books you need to focus on, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That was very messy, but figure out which books, especially in a series, you should be focusing on to market. I'm going to play devil's advocate to your devil's advocate. <laughs> because you said like, obviously, if a person has written an earlier book and they feel a bit cringy about it. That's true. People can feel cringy. People can look back and go, wow, that was crap. However, I want to make a point about something. The longer you write and the older you get, your earlier work will almost always feel like that because you will change. 
that's one of those things. There's a lot of authors, really great authors, like incredible writers at the top, who have looked back at their older work that are still read today, that people still fall in love with and been like, ooh, if I did that, I would rewrite it this way or that way, or I'd, I'd definitely do it differently. And that's because we experience an ability changes that's just the thing it's it's one of the reasons why the longer you take to write a book the harder it can be because if you start it at a certain time and then you write and write and write and write and write every time you go back you're, you've changed you've got old you've got wiser with with your abilities and your skills and it makes it harder and I know that because I currently am dealing with that situation with one of my series and I started writing it decades ago and I go back and it's like I feel such a different person now and it's hard because it wasn't bad back then but I am different now so sometimes you have to publish push it out there and then don't look at it again and let it be as it is and still put it out there because someone will still fall in love with it and as per Rachel's thing, she was completely right. If you've got a series of books, trying to market book five in the middle while you're publishing book 10, it doesn't work. Marketing book one, book two, great. Marketing the whole set up to book 10, that would also work. Or doing a little reading from each individual book would also work. But yeah, it's. I think it definitely needs to be, might not be an individual book if it's a series but then it should be like a package. It's like, wow, book 10's coming out. Have you read the first nine? Boom, here they are. And maybe even do it in blocks. You could even say, right, you can buy the first five, you know, book five books as a set. There are ways to do it. I think it's the idea that if you publish a book and then you never talk about it because your next book's coming out and that's the one. And it's like, you shouldn't just focus only on that one. Think of them like your children. The newest one coming out might be more interesting, but you've still got older ones who need attention, you know, said as a middle child. <laughs> I didn't comment on that because I'm a younger I'm the youngest oh there it is but it, it's true is. the, the oh. youngest is the most interesting it's just that shiny object syndrome the new the new car smell everybody likes it's like ooh, shiny new thing oh, the shines come right off I digress let's go back to talking about what are you talking about marketing that's what we're talking about. and if you're thinking about marketing and you're thinking how am I supposed to market all these books how am I supposed to think about what to say I've already said stuff it's like there is so much you can talk about with your books there are book trailers there are scene excerpts there are character art there are fan art if you get it and you're okay with that not every writer is so if you're thinking about drawing fan art or writing fan fiction please check with the original author I just want to make a point of that not everyone is happy with it but if they are and you get fan art from people you can showcase that you can talk to people about why you wrote that book you can discuss the different book covers the why the you know why you got interested in the series it's so strange how people don't think about the books in their catalog i actually saw an author recently who didn't have the stories blurb on goodreads against their book or on their website. Now, I actually had read it because I ended up getting it free from something. And I read that. And as I was writing my review, I couldn't remember one of the characters' names. So I thought, oh, it's okay. I will go up and check what the name is. It'll be in the blurb. But there was no blurb. And it's like, okay, there will be people who will know about your book because they saw it on Instagram or Insta stories or Facebook, or maybe they follow your website or your YouTube channel. But not everybody will. The whole point of books is they are passive income. They are out there. I mean, I went to a, a little tiny pokey 
secondhand bookstore a couple of uh, days ago and it's literally one of those where they're so narrow you have to like turn sideways to go down the edges of the of the shelves and they're stacked like three deep up to the ceiling it's one of those where you're terrified of taking a book in case the whole thing jengas on top of you and i found loads of books that i was interested in most of them were book two and three which is blooming typical but it's like those books were really like they've been there for years people have people have bought them and they've gone i did not i had not heard of any of these authors i'd not heard of any of these books I was interested. And the same has happened when I've gone on Goodreads. I have just found a book on Goodreads and I thought, oh, that sounds interesting because I've read the blurb. It's in the, it's in the picture. I've read the blurb. Been interested. But if you've got a book on Goodreads and no blurb, if you've just got pictures of your book cover and no discussion and you're not telling anyone about the books you've already written, how is anyone supposed to find it unless they happen to have followed you when you first wrote it? It's like a recap. You know, if you're watching a series and the next episode comes on and you get a recap of what had just happened. Now, if you saw what had just happened, you don't need the recap. But somebody else might. Somebody else might have dropped into this and gone, I can't remember what happened or I never watched that episode. Oh, that's what happened. And having people know about the books you wrote earlier, that's really useful. And also it's like, why would you turn down people knowing about books you've, you have, even if you wrote them 10 years ago? They might like it. They might, even if you don't like it, they might be the next super fans to that book. I'm getting a little bit impassioned. Listen, the book without a blurb on Goodreads, that is wild to me. I don't know why you would do that. I certainly do not agree with that. But it actually kind of gives me another thought about why you wouldn't continue marketing your books. And I'm not like, again, I'm not saying that you should do this or you shouldn't do it or whatever. Obviously have a blurb on Goodreads and Amazon and all that fun stuff. Let people see what your book is actually about. But I guess it also kind of depends on your goals with writing. If you want to make a decent passive income or if you want to turn your writing into an author career, then absolutely you should be marketing your books. You should be marketing all of your books and at least spreading the word about them here and there, if not consistently. And, and I say that about the older books, the newer books, it should be more consistent. But on the other hand, if you're writing books and you're publishing them as a hobby, you just want to get them out in the world just to say, hey, look, I did a thing. That's what your what your success looks like. You just want to say that you did it and you had a good time with it and it was a fun journey. Then you may not necessarily need to market your books all the time. Spread the word for sure. Stay engaged with however many readers you have and what they post on social media and things like that. But you don't necessarily need to get into the business side of things. And I think marketing counts as the business side of things. So that that's another, that's another little tidbit for why you wouldn't market, continue marketing your books. You need to figure out your goal and your focus of why you're writing basically, but absolutely add your blurb to Goodreads for goodness sake. I think you're right. I, I agree. If you're just doing it more of a hobby and if somebody finds your book, great. And if they don't, it doesn't bother you. That's not a problem. In which case, I will I will say you could still market it, just not excessively. So in that case, I would probably not bother with it on social media because let's be honest, social media is such a drag, maybe just for me. However, if you think about ebooks, they're a great passive income and they technically have an unlimited shelf life as long as you personally don't pull them. They will drop down in ranks as newer books come out and everything. However, in 10 years, someone could still stumble across it, maybe on your website and see a book trailer. Because it's an ebook, you can actually pull that book down and add to the page, which you should have in your book, which says your titles. Because We've all done it. If you've gone to a book, you've read it, you thought it was really good, and then you've gone to the front or back of the book, wherever it is, and you've tried to see what else the author's written. Well, I do. And obviously, if you write a book 
and you publish it and it sells a few or it doesn't sell a few. If you write another two and it's a, and that first one was an ebook, I would totally pull that ebook for a second and add an extra detail on that page saying, oh, I have also written these, even if it was 10 years later. Because if that ebook gets found and looked at, that's a little bit of marketing. You've added to some, you've added to the page, you've told them, these are some other titles I've written. It'll pull in other people interested in more things because that's the whole point of having that page. Other things the author has written. Because if you love a book, you want to know what else they've written and not everything's on the website. Again, put things on your website and put things on Goodreads. But if you don't want to do that, just having that one page in your book, other things you've written and keeping it updated is a really good marketing tactic. It doesn't have to be complicated. None of this is us saying, oh my God, you need to be spending 50 hours a week just marketing all of your books. It's like, when would you write? Seriously. But think about what you can do to market, whether it's throwing up the odd book on social media, whether it is going to the library and seeing if you can drop off copies of your older books and your newer books, whether it is making sure you keep those pages updated on any of your books you've got out that are ebooks, just an update saying other titles you've written, making sure you've listed them on your website. Even if you don't want to talk much about them, just put them on the website. People will find an author and then look at other things they've written. So yeah, it's not about like the intensity of marketing where you, you put the same energy in you would to a launch. Oh God, no. Who has time for that? <laughs> not, not a chance. But any little thing like that can help. That's what we're talking about. And I think that would work, even if you are doing it as a hobby. That one thing of saying, you know what, I wrote a book 10 years ago. I'll just pull it and put the little thing saying, I've now written two more books. You might get two more super fans. Isn't that important? Isn't that great? Wouldn't you want to hear from these fans? I do agree with you, though. I think, obviously, if you're going to do the bare minimum of marketing, definitely keep your stuff updated. Your website, your Kindle books, all of that stuff, your social media, keep it updated because it's quick, it's easy, and it's free. We like free. <laughs> yes. But yeah, yes, it, doesn't, yes, it yes. doesn't take two minutes to add. I'll say that. Obviously, if you're not big on websites, but it doesn't take two minutes to add a page to your website that has the book cover and the blurb. That's it. If that's all you're willing to do, that's still something. That is still a form of marketing. If you're not willing to spend loads of time on social media, and I get that, I so get that, it's still worth putting books that you've written earlier on your website. So yes, the idea is you should market your older book. We're not saying excessively and intensely, but we do say market your older book. And obviously, Rachel's several <laughs> devil's advocate moments because <laughs> she likes to be contrary whenever it's my Welcome. episode. It's a pain. Sorry. Okay, I think this episode's gone on way too long because I made way too many notes and then got sidetracked a lot. Let's just turn it over to you guys. How do you market your older books if you have, you know, a back catalogue? Let us know your answers in the comments so we can have a chat about it. I'm sure Rachel will have many more Devil Advocate moments. Remember, we release new episodes every Wednesday. Next week, we are discussing avoiding the rabbit hole. Sorry. Sounds so dirty. Ah, <laughs> uh, says more about me, really, doesn't it? To ensure you don't miss it, hit the subscribe button on your way out. As always, thanks for listening to the Mayor Writer Podcast. See you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Scribbled Notes. Our handwriting is awful. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.